Hello, and welcome to The Quiet Out Loud. I am your host, Jennifer Mock, and I have Miss Sadie Rivera with me again today. Hello, Miss Sadie. Hello, Jennifer. Hello. <laughs> okay, so last time Miss Sadie and I were together, we did a kind of a long-winded discussion on <laughs> drag and drag queens and kind of this incessant idea within our culture that kids and children need to be exposed to drag. So we spent a lot of time kind of processing through that and um, not to understand we didn't do it, it on purpose. Way, yeah, we didn't, and we didn't do it in a way of like, I think there was some confusion maybe with the titling and whatnot that people thought we were trying to process it in a way that supported this idea. And that is absolutely not the case. Like we're not supporting drag queens for kids. We're really just trying to like, again, like mull it over process. Like, why is this a thing in our culture? And um, so if you want to listen to that episode, I would encourage you to do so. Today, we're going to kind of segue into the Nashville shooting. And if you did listen to the podcast on uh, drag and drag queens, we did talk a little bit about Tennessee and kind of the legislation that has been happening there that has been all over the news. And so these topics of the shooting and drag queen legislation, kind of like everything that we talk about on this podcast are interwoven in some way, shape, or form. So today I want to kind of give you an outline of where we're going to go with the conversation. And because we want to have, we have kind of a very specific idea that we want to talk about. Um, and it's not necessarily looking at the shooting from a gun control standpoint, or even a transgender standpoint, really, we want to talk about the reaction and the response that we're seeing across several different parties from mainstream media to political figures to, kind of just society at large and mm -hmm. how it was reacted to, um, generally speaking. So we were going to, we're going to take a look at how was the reaction the same as what we typically see in a mass shooting? How was it different? Um, what has the response been from the general public? Um, and does it matter? Does, if, if there was a difference in how this shooting was responded to versus other shootings, does that even matter? You know, how did we get here? Um, and then we have some other things that we'll, you know, kind of talk about as we move through the conversation, but that is kind of a high level of what we're going to talk about. Today. The goal is to stay on topic though. The goal is to stay on topic. So <laughs> this is not going to be a two hour podcast like the last one. So that's why well, I wanted to give that, you guys an that's, outline. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. All right. So <laughs> I think we'll get there. So one of the first, I mean, again, we're talking about the, I'm sure everyone has heard about the shooting and is somewhat with familiar with the kind of timeline of events where we kind of, I think Miss Eddie, you probably have it because you keep your ear to the ground on all the news. Like where are we at today with what is going on in this case? So specifically, well, I mean, we're really at the same place that we were once everything kind of got flushed out. So uh, the main thing was the manifesto, like what right. is going on with the manifesto at the time of the shooting, um, chief Drake, who is the chief of police, uh, police of Nashville Metro, he kind of alluded to, cause he was specifically asked if the fact that, uh, the perpetrator was transgender, uh, had anything to do with their motive. He didn't specifically say yes. He didn't specifically say no. He said, yeah, it looks like it may have contributed. I, I can't remember exactly his quote, but that's kind of like, I think he said that is something that we're looking into. 
um and it is being considered it's kind of the and, vibe they gave yeah like it wasn't like yeah that was the motive no that wasn't the motive it was just an acknowledgement that they are considering it as part of the motive and then they'll let us know and right. he's always said that the manifesto will come out and as soon as we know more they'll let us know but the manifesto was eventually handed over to the fbi and now it's and crazy. that's about it Poof um, the last <laughs> thing that was reported from a uh, local uh nashville i think news channel five i think is the local news there uh they reported that the chief deputy or the deputy of uh tbi which is the tennessee bureau of investigation uh was speaking before a group of sheriffs like some kind of sheriff association meeting and during that event he specifically said that the manifesto was basically just ramblings and that it had no specific um signs of it being like political religion you know social motives and that it was mostly just ramblings and um and that it was more talking about idealizing other shooters that does kind of contradict a little bit with what Chief Drake has said. Um, not specifically, but, it, you know, it still well, leaves it, like suspect. Also, I thought it contradicted with what the shooter had texted her friend. Yeah, that was the other thing I was going to say. Yeah, because she texted her friend that it sounded like, hey, I have a really clear motive. And that's, I've left enough evidence that that motive is going to be very well spelled out. I mean, she didn't say it. Yeah. I mean, she didn't, but like, well, and you can argue that if she wasn't, I mean, she was being treated for an emotional disorder. What that emotional disorder was has also not been told, or we haven't been informed by it. We haven't been told who was treating her, how she was being treated, nothing along those lines. Um, But I mean, you could, basically argue that she wasn't in her right mind and maybe she thinks there is enough information but the question is really was there but it was really just ramblings like why not release it then well and that's the thing so that's kind of like the big question like why what's the reluctance on, on releasing it you know in the past uh you have seen shootings or things like this and if it has been some kind of rambling um or like if they found information online that was really focused on white supremacy for example or any kind of racist type motive that typically gets released right away right um now of course the practices can differ from state to state if we're going to be fair but the tip typically you know, um, the stuff is released really relatively quickly. And the fact that I think that in Tennessee or in Nashville, that the police department literally released the camera footage, the body oh, camera footage, ASAP. like, like the next day. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know how quickly it was, but it was fast, it was like fast quick. enough that everybody was commenting on it. Yeah. So you would think there would be, you know, they're doing that for the reasons of trans, uh, you know, transparency, because they want to show how they reacted. They did react quickly, especially when people were immediately trying to compare it to Uvalde, which Uvalde, they were, they hit it for a long time. Very released it. And then later we found out why. Right. Um, So you would think that if they're trying to be transparent, that they would also do it with 
the manifesto and it doesn't seem to be uh, working out that way. And even recently, uh, independent reporter Glenn Greenwald, who he himself actually is, I would, I would categorize him as liberal, uh, relatively progressive. And he was the primary reporter that got involved, uh, with releasing the Edward Snowden, uh, documents and Mm -hmm. stuff like that about, uh, the government surveillance with the NSA. Anyways, he filed to try through FOIA requests and through suit to get the manifesto release, and they denied him. So that's also an interesting detail. So that is one way in which it's been kind of the reaction or follow-up has been different. I would agree with you. I noticed right away how quickly they released the body cam footage. I mean, body cam footage is not something that's usually, in my recollection anyways, which is anecdotal i suppose but um is that body cam footage typically seems to be released slowly and even sometimes letting other people view it first like family members or whatever versus it just being automatically released to the public so i do feel like here it was for whatever reason i don't know if it was transparency or there's some other like ulterior motive but it was released quickly yeah how body cam footage is handled will differ depending on the city and on the the town or the department you know like i think there are several places that are like it is their policy to hold it for 48 hours or something like that before they release it or more so, but it's still like, that was really fast. Yeah. Let's see the manifesto now. And they're yeah. like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Denied. So, so that's interesting that it would, again, just a couple of differences, maybe from what we historically see in mass shootings. And I think this is really important. This is something that I know that you have brought up before is defining what is a mass Mass shooting shooting. Mm -hmm. so um and i think that's important because as we kind of discuss this that is what we're talking about would be what would be considered a mass shooting so not the shooting of one individual person but can you give us some history on what is a mass shooting and how the definition has changed over the Well, over the typically years. for a long time, a mass shooting included. And that's, I think the other thing to point out before I even tell you is that sure. most people, when you hear mass shooting, you're thinking like lots 10 people, people, like a lot yeah. of people, like double, mass, double digits. Yeah. Sounds like lots of people. So uh, it was for a long time, four people. So it was four people and it re- would require like either the same or like uh, the one person or at the same occasion uh, with the same firearm or accompanying firearm. And, um, and that, you know, that at least four victims had, had died or had passed. Okay. Um, I, I believe, let me make sure on that uh, last one, I think, because there was, according to the U.S. Congress, it is defined as three or more people killed in a single event. So see, you have to actually die. Now, the three or more actually happened with Obama. So before Obama came into office, it was four or more. And then so in, 20, by one. in 2013, Obama then uh, issued a mandate and dropped it from four to three. Okay. Now, here's the other thing which a lot of people don't consider is that most ma- mass shootings, like always the focus is the assault rifle. Now there is without a doubt, an assault rifle is a much more effective weapon than a handgun. 
the accuracy sure. is better. It's personally why I like it as a home defense, because I'm more likely to get the bad guy with my rifle than I am with a handgun. Um, and it's also why it's one of the most popular firearms for women, but I'm not going to go down that. <laughs> and you're down talking trail. AR-15. AR AR-15. Yes, yeah. correct. Um, which... Anyways, let me not to get sidetracked. But yeah. <laughs> in regards to mass shooting specifically, what is used the most are actually handguns. Because, for example, when you're having all of these like gang shootouts in right. cities like Chicago, for example, if three or more people die, it gets included with mass shootings. Mm. So a lot of times when you hear like this big number of like, we've had, and I don't even know what the number is right now, but we've had X amount of mass shootings. A lot of people will think school shooting or like, you know, at a business or at a concert or something like that. That's typically what they'll think. But along with those occasions, which are absolutely included in the count, it increases pretty significantly when you start including shootings that are, I hate to say typical criminal in nature. Right. Do you know what I mean? But that they're not anything, because typically you hear a mass shooting and you think like of a motive being social, political, mental health, religion, something along those lines. But really it's just the streets of Chicago. I mean, now I'm not going to say, obviously there's other cities, but you know, know. when you Chicago. include, you know, cities like Memphis, Chicago, uh, uh, Baton Rouge, uh, New Orleans, like things like that, Chicago, um, <laughs> then, you know, it's natural. And especially if you drop it down to three people, which sounds dismissive, I'm not trying to be dismissive, but it's just, you know, right. um, it just seems well, I mean, also probably daily in Chicago, frankly. I mean, so. exactly. And also, you know, I, I question, and I don't know if this is fair, but this is just me like considering it was 2013. It was the Obama administration. This uh, Obama and Democrats in general have always had a big push to either extend or expand is what I should say. Um, gun regulations or coming up for reasons to ban uh ar-15s right. um he just he conveniently drops the number you know what i mean from four to three so i mean not to say right. i'm not saying that four is better than three or worse than, you know what i mean but it's just yeah. you know it's it's something i think worth wondering like yeah, well, I think it's just interesting in general, like which ones we hear about and which ones we don't. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, like, I guess we're going to sit here and kind of analyze this one in particular and how the response has been different. But there are probably countless quote unquote mass shootings that we never ever hear about at all technically based yeah. on what i you mean said exactly because well just recently and I, I mean of course we're kind of trying to focus in on the trans you know on the issue in nashville and kind of like the narrative from that yeah. perspective but most recently literally just the other day there was a sweet 16 that was shot up um i think 20 people were I mean, it was pretty significant. I think it maybe have gotten up to 20 people were injured, at least, I, I think, about that three one. dead. Well, it just happened to be 
a black community, all black mm-hmm. victims and a black mm-hmm. perpetrator. Um, and I you, ha- I honestly have not heard it. So. I, and I, I, want, I don't hear everything, but I, I see quite a bit on the interwebs. I'm not like <laughs> that completely was literally- out of the loop. So interesting. Yeah. And that's just what I wanted to point out that I saw a list of, of mass shootings recently. Someone, it was like a, you know, one of those, it was almost like one of those chain emails, but it was a Facebook post and, and it listed all of these mass shootings. I'm like, I haven't heard of most of these. And so I guess it is interesting which ones we hear about and which ones we don't. It'd be, I'm not, we're not going to do it today because we don't have the data in front of us, but to do a deep dive on like, okay, we, we don't hear about ones like you just mentioned, or don't feel like we do. Like, maybe that's not true. Like sometimes what we feel just like, well, we they get about, reported, like, they get reported locally. So like, yes, for example, this national, and yeah. I was actually mistaken. This sweet 16 says at least 32 people were injured. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So not, well, how many died? I mean, um, not- it says a senior, 17 year old senior, along with a 19 year old and a 23 year old. So three people died. So that is considered meets the qualifications of a mass shooting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting. But all of the victims, including the perpetrator and the community was a black community. And that, and I think that's kind of like a good segue in the sense of when a certain narrative doesn't fit and doesn't benefit, like when when an occurrence or something happens, an event happens that does not align and benefit pushing forward a narrative it's sidelined right and it's sidelined because in this particular case i can guarantee you that gun control and gun law like that's not that wouldn't have prevented this incident this is i mean i don't know the details but i'm just guessing i mean mean, again like criminal activity is gonna criminals are gonna criminal like no matter what the laws are and i think that is you know one of the one of the ways that this event was you know, is a similarity between it and I would say at least other school shootings, maybe not all mass shootings, but school shootings that have happened is that it it was immediately politicized for the use of furthering the gun control. Yes. A push for more gun control, gun restriction, ban all guns. Like that's, you know, that's the solution I've basically seen from Democrats and from the left is that we just, you know, we basically need to, need to ban all guns, which ultimately takes away and hurts the freedoms of law-abiding citizens. Yeah, you know, which, I mean, people will argue, like, if you actually cared and you wouldn't be so worried, but that would be like a whole yeah. other discussion to have. It would be. And I, I like I said, I want to say, though, that is how the ones they choose to highlight and talk about are the ones typically, like, especially, in, again, with the school shootings, that is kind of the automatic narrative from the well left is here's the deal control. i this is my and this is a personal opinion so specifically in regards to nashville okay mm-hmm. there was a lot of things going on at the same time that made it impossible to ignore so you're talking about tennessee that sure. has had now two bills back to back in regards to trans issues or i'm sorry one with trans issues the other ones with drag shows 
One is restricting, not banning, restricting um, uh, drag shows in front of minors. And then the other one was uh, not allowing or not permitting um, gender affirming care, which is, you know, medical intervention uh, with minors in regards to gender care or whatever. I don't even like to use that term because I don't think it's correct term but definitely a language theft moment yeah exactly so those two things had just happened the other thing is is that when it was discovered that the shooter was a female how often do you hear that a female has committed a mass shooting like right hardly ever i can't even remember the last time in my lifetime that that occurred typically if you do hear something about a female i don't know shooting multiple people it is some kind of domestic issue emotional issue something more along those lines versus going into a school and shooting right. you know killing six children i mean sorry three children and then three administrators so i think it was a time and the details of it were kind of hard to to kind of keep on the DL. And then on top of that, it does meet the parameters of it being, um, it's a school shooting. And then it was done with an AR style rifle. Um, So then that immediately, regardless of the case, they would have jumped on it in order to push the narrative of gun control and banning AR-15s. Right. What I think they did not necessarily expect and want to deal with was the fact that the shooter identified as trans right and that was kind of like an in end that they went and they attacked a christian private there's, school yeah there's a there's a lot of uh check marks on this one yeah it's definitely which kind of made people want so badly i think to hear the man see the manifesto is because we're making a lot of assumptions based on piecing together all of the you know the things that we know to be true which is everything you just said in terms of well and then immediately people are like questioning is this something that qualifies as a hate crime which the definite what is a hate crime i think is also a whole other discussion that we could have sure but there are there is legislation especially at a federal level that is something meets the marker of a hate crime, it escalates like the charges. And it also escalates the, um, uh, what do you call it? Oh my gosh, there's a word. Who has jurisdiction? Which makes sense as to why they would have given the manifesto over to the FBI, because if it is considered a hate crime, it can be elevated up to to a federal, at the federal level. So do we assume that it was considered a hate crime then if they've turned it over to the FBI? Here's the deal. have never come out and no one's ever officially official said this, right? Nobody has officially said that, okay? But the issue here is, and this is really what I think of this conversation, like we can talk about, like it has the markers for potentially being a hate crime. There are definitely people like within the communities or whatever that would argue that, The motive was either hate or uh, mental anguish because they were forced to, you know, forced into Christian beliefs and not be their true authentic selves, which is something we'll get into. Right. But um, there is no question, however, that this administration and administrations in the past 
but we're talking about today. Um, and we're talking about Biden and we're talking about also our news media currently today. Right. There is no question that whenever there were is even a hint of certain markers, they will immediately jump and say that it is due to hate or racism. Right. right. Be it for whatever reason, especially if they believe that it is a type of hate or racism that pushes a narrative forward that we of of societal and structural racism or hatred or anything like that anything nobody nobody wants to push forward a narrative that christians can be victims of a hate crime exactly not even christians themselves honestly like i don't know that christians are often looking for victimhood i do think that it, it is I mean, it is something that is almost like social currency nowadays, but I don't necessarily see a lot of Christians out there saying like, Hey, we're, you know, like, whereas I do see that from, and I want to say like, Oh, left and Christian, like those are two different, two different things. Right. But one's religious and one's political, but some of these political views are getting very quasi religious, very religious. Yeah. (laughs) So so yeah, I think that's a good segue into I think just talking about like how how the response has been different at virtually every level from again from political figures, from mainstream media, from kind of everyday society. And one of the initial things that has made it different is the reluctance to call this any kind of a hate crime. Now you could, I think, make a case for saying like, oh, we're just trying to keep peace. But these people don't want to keep peace. (laughs) There's no peacekeeping. We're chopping that because my issue with that is that I would totally respect that. I would totally respect it. If that was, (laughs) we were consistent. We were consistent. So look, I'm going to even like, this is, I, I, you know, how do I say this? Typically, if something happens to something that you can identify with more closely, it is natural for us as human beings to have more of a reaction versus someone that you can't identify with. So it feels more distant. Okay. Sure. Sure. Should that be the case? No, of course we should care about everyone, but look, we're human beings. We're flawed. That's just not, it's just not in our nature. Okay. We're selfish, selfish little turds. It's just a fact. Okay. <laughs> and so, so I wouldn't have an issue like if they're like, well, we don't know yet. The manifesto hasn't been released. Like, let's just okay. Well, how about we apply that same uh yeah, self-control sure with everything? And they don't. So like I, George Floyd, for example. Or what just happened with the shooting in Kansas City with this. Right older gentleman and the the young man it is interesting in many most of those cases the immediate reaction is one of of assumed guilt and racism or whatever key buzzword that they want to and use it's, and you know and, 
And I think most of the time people on the right are like, can we just wait? Like, and I even posted this myself when the Nashville shooting happened, because this has been my stance. I mean, something I've personally learned. It's been a personal development moment as these things have <laughs> happened over time, because you don't know everything right away. You don't know all of the details and you're allowed to take a, a minute and some space to say like, can we just wait? So kind of everything comes out. And the Nashville information was released very, very quickly, as we already talked about. And that's not always the case. And I do see a lot of people tend to tends to be on the right saying, like, can we just wait until like, take all the a breather. details are released before we're jumping all over this being called whatever it is? And I I mean, you're but right. the thing I is, mean, is that whoever gets the story out first is the one that sets the narrative. Right. And so, and that's why. You know, when you have all of these institutions in place that favor a particular side, they're going to jump on that narrative first, especially, I mean, this is just my own personal opinion and you can come at me if you want to, but especially if their priority is, is narrative over truth, you know what I mean? Like if that's their, because I mean, Granted, every, you know, we have liars. We have plenty of liars on the right. So many of them, you know what I mean? But in general, people, especially leadership will tend to be like, well, like, let's wait and see. And I know that is a big focus for me, which is why my articles and my content is usually lagging because I try and wait till I get all of the information, you know? Right. Yes. In most cases, there is an automatic outrage. There's automatic outrage, right? That shouldn't have happened. Well, I don't want to say in most cases. In the cases that mainstream media actually talks about the event, because they don't always talk about every single event, the automatic reaction is to try to incite some sort of outrage based on race, class, whatever religion in -hmm. some cases primarily race is what i feel like you know yes but there's no doubt that if there is a religion even though christianity is one of the religions that is practiced across the world of all different races it is here in the united states it's associated i don't understand why as primarily being a white religion right Okay. And because of that, it isn't treated the same as those that would be typically here in the United States considered a a person of color or a brown person religion being uh, Muslim or anywhere from the uh, Sikh. I think there was a shooting in 2012 that got a lot of coverage and it was a horrific event. But my point is, However, when the role is reversed, and we'll talk, we'll probably touch on this, where it happens to be that the motive is religion, but it's Muslim, for example, or Islamic extremism, they won't focus on that because they don't want to demonize the marginal, what they will categorize as the marginalized group. Right. Someone who is marginalized or quote unquote oppressed cannot be. We don't, we want to make sure because here, well, I think it's like the argument is, is that because they're marginalized and we as a society tend to generalize, which is a fact, we do tend to generalize. um, We can't talk about this because they're already victims to begin with because they're at a marginalized, you know, status or whatever. I don't even know exactly how to. Status is probably a good word. Okay. Um, And you don't want to like 
feed into that more. So you don't want to really want to touch on that because then you're going to get this mass of people more focused on this smaller group of people. And look, it's not to say that there isn't a valid argument in that because that's kind of like how human beings in a mob reality or mob mentality will react. Yeah. But my point is like, why, unless it is definitively the motive, why do we have to bring it up as a motive? And the thing is, is that typically when you see uh, two groups of people that are societally like considered to be opposite ver- opposites of each other and in this case a christian community and a transgender individual typically when you see those opposing sides which i hate to say sides but those are you know perspectives they would immediately categorize it as it being hate or some for some reason that would be the motive right black and white racism uh a white person uh commits something against a muslim person it's religion religion you know what i mean like it's consistent uh a straight white straight versus gay well then it's you know hate against the lgbt but in this case he didn't we didn't even like nobody was even it was like third rail kind of deal like we not only did it not come up as a possible motive the the only time that christian came up was to say private christian school um and then if they really focused on on putting the two together it was kind of in defense or in a quasi defense of or not defense but pointing out that her family was Christian and that she was right. transgender and well, that they it was were at always odds. handled in a negative light, in my opinion, from what I saw, like the being a coming from the Christian family, there were a lot of assumptions and there have been a lot of assumptions made, right? I guess that's how I, from the media and from people, which I, you know, we can get into, but it just seems like pretty much everything that I've seen um, has again, like kind of painted Christianity as the real perpetrator here versus the shooter. Like, oh, she she must have been, must, even though, again, we don't know because they haven't released the details, but it's like, it's assumed that she was somehow oppressed because she was coming from- A Christian and family. Took, and took action against white Christian people. Well, and that narrative specifically, just to kind of like make that clear, that wasn't blatantly put out there by the administration or even by the, but that was, it it is amazing to me how it trickles down. So, because it- Well, let's talk about the political, let's talk about specifically about reaction from political figures. So Biden- Well, and that was the thing. So like, and the reason I kind of want to bring that up is that we're going to like, let's bring it down. Right. So we start with like the news and then how the politicals or the politicos respond and how it trickles down to like people, average people that are Mm -hmm. really looking for an oversimplified narrative like that's just kind of how i mean think about how we, we don't consume like complex news. yeah we know you know i've talked about this i think we have to consume i think we even maybe talked about this in the drag episode i'm not sure but 
or if it was just one of our like sidebar <laughs> conversations. But we are consuming so much information, not even just news, but just information in general, just with social media. And that I don't think we're meant to, that I don't think our brains were designed to be able to consume and handle all of the information, all of the data, all of the news that we have to. And so, yeah, we want a really simple, clean cut, you know, um, excuse or reason or whatever. And I want it to be very clear why I'm outraged or, you know, whatever. So I do think we latch on to like, here's the, here's the dumbed down reason why this happened versus, you know, really wanting to look at all of the complexities, which I, I can completely relate to. I can't, again, like I can't consume and digest and no, um, it's, I mean, I do that process almost on a daily single. basis and it's, it's exhausting. It's not easy. Yeah. It's hard. And I don't have like, I have the lug, the privilege or the luxury of being able to spend that time doing it. Um, but most people don't, you know? Yeah. And, and it was shocking to me that, so like when this all first broke, the 911 call actually, when it first came out, uh, described the shooter as a young man in fatigues. That, that was the first description that mm -hmm. actually kind of just like made it down into the sound waves or radio waves or whatever you want to call them. Um, but what was first reported from the, uh, from the chief of police was that it was initially they, um, described her as a teenage girl, like a teenage young woman. And then eventually it was, you know, we learned that she was actually 28 years old. So she wasn't a child, but the thing was, is that initially like, so he said, I young woman, something just really important to call out. Like, really, let's just like pause there for one second. Like, this is a grown, grown woman, grown person, grown person. Mm -hmm. So this is not a kid or a teenage, even a 19 year old. I mean, this was, you know, someone who's closer to 30 than, you know, their teen now, years. It did come out eventually that she is also high functioning autistic. Sure. Um, but that, if anything is, I mean, it's worth mentioning because autism is accompanying quite often being a comorbidity along with this trans, especially with young women, along with identifying as transgender. But, in, but what you're saying here is a great example of what we just said, which is added complexity to a story that we just don't want to take the time. Consider. We yeah. don't want to consider. I don't want to consider that. I just want to consider that she was trans, which that meant she's discriminated against, which means she's angry and mad and had every right to do this. Like, you know, no one wants to step back and, and, and look at the things like you just said. I mean, yeah, like I think many... her being autistic is actually a pretty significant detail, no but no one's talking, but nobody, I think the first person that mentioned it, and maybe the only person that is mentioned prominently in an article is the daily beast of all people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and right. also that's where I first heard it. So there's evidence that I read news from well, both sides. So. Again, because it doesn't go with the narrative. No, though, because what you're saying is that there's a high percentage linkage between being on the spectrum, spectrum autistically for autism and transgenderism. There's a, there's a strong link there. And, but you can't say that because that would mean that it, there is some sort of mental component 
not just I feel like this, therefore I am this. So we can't, we can't, we can't talk about that because it doesn't fit the curve. Which is probably why it's not highly reported yeah. or and how like emotional disorder is kind of mentioned in passing in a lot right. of this reporting. And well, then who isn't in therapy for emotional disorders at this point. Like I know, right? <laughs> But initially, so when um, the chief of police came out and said it was a young woman, and then it said it was a 28-year-old woman, and then everybody's like, woman, 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 and then eventually it was like, oh, they're trans, and then you have a gentleman, the chief of police, I would probably categorize him as a late Gen Xer, early, like, boomer, like, he's an older gentleman, okay? So when they asked him specifically, huh? He's older than I am. I said so he's our age. <laughs> he's, he's at least at least 10 years older than I am. Okay. Anyways, so um there was this kind of like debate that was happening about them being transgender. Are they a transgender woman? Are they a transgender man? Which means if they're a transgender man, they're actually a biological woman, vice versa. And then at one point when they asked him, you know. Does she identify? They asked him, does she identify as transgender? And he said, yes. And then I think there was a question of like, does she identify as a transgender, I think, woman? Or I don't know how they posed the question, but his response was trans woman, right? Because he's thinking in his head, she's transgender and she's a woman. Right. He's so, not thinking yeah. that she's a woman identifying as a man, which then would be a transgender man. Right. Yes, that's correct. Okay, I just got myself confused there for a half a second. That is yeah. correct. So there was all of this talk about that. There was like a debate. And then what was interesting is that so everyone- this is kind of the immediate reaction from the news. Yeah. Like this is how the news starts like trickling down. So. Exactly. And then everyone initially was reporting she, 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 she. And right. I think what is kind of- ha- And then also everybody was dead naming her. And then the term dead name is to use your given name, which her name is- Audrey or Aubrey? I can't remember. Audrey. Audrey. And then, um, but she apparently had recently been going by Aiden. Right. Um, now, I don't know if this is like, well, we don't want to emphasize that she's trans. So let's just kind of keep using her correct pronouns and her given name versus switching over to using male pronouns and the name Aiden. This created a lot of confusion from all these politically correct, you know, they wanted to be politically correct, but also weren't, it was just like a, you know. It was a mess. It was a mess. And so initially, well, then it was just kind of funny because USA Today then put out a tweet eventually and they're like, police on Monday afternoon said that the shooter was a transgender man. Officials had initially misidentified the gender of the shooter. Okay. And then what was also fascinating was CBS News. This was a leak, uh, which I love leaks personally, but this was a leak of a memo that was handed out internally at CBS News that said the shooter's gender identity has not been confirmed, a mem- which was a memo that uh, the New York Post got. And it says, as such, we should avoid any mention of it as it has no known relevance to the crime, should that change, we can and will revisit. So um, there ahead. is a concern, clearly from here, there is a concern that her being transgender, shooting up a Christian school is kind of a problem. So they're like, 
oh, we misgendered her, but we're still going to keep using her given pronouns and her dead name, quote unquote. Right. Um, and also we're not, CBS is like, we're not going to talk too much about the fact that she's transgender because they were really caught in the web of their own you know the web of their own lies frankly the media because they didn't know right i think they just they made a case against themselves in terms of pronouns and gender and all this stuff like when push comes to shove and we all die and you die like this is what you are scientifically you know what i mean like i yeah. feel like they were kind of the, they were they, the media was the victim of their own ridiculousness in terms of not being able to figure out how to describe this person yeah you know? they were i mean clearly very seemed very conflicted about it and then you know i'm obviously cbs news is just a small like picture into the mind Wait, of can journalism. You, can you, they never would have said that about race. Like, Oh, we're just, we're not going to, the shooter was, was, you know, why well, here's so the we're deal. not going to mention that. Even like, no, if no, you would make the case out of that. <laughs> and even if a shooter, like, let's say is biracial. Right. Depending on like, okay, this, I don't want to go down on this rabbit hole too long or whatever, but let's just talk about like, uh, Trayvon Martin and George Zuckerman, right? Mm -hmm. George Zuckerman. A lot of people don't even know he was half Hispanic. Okay. But he has the last name Zuckerman because his dad was white, but his mom yeah. was Hispanic. He, right. if you looked at him, he looked Hispanic to me. Like I, I, I typically, I can identify my own people, even though I don't meet the markers of what of the stereotype but it was never that was never something not, and i'm not even here to argue about like the validity of that case my point is that the narrative was right. immediately white guy attacked young black man because his last right. name was zuckerman and right. so they could at that point categorize him as a white person but if the however would have been reversed it's that would that's immediately what they would target right or, they would immediately or call if the victim the had minority been, race if the victim had been different yeah. or and then reversed like let's say the let's say it was a white person had attacked zuckerman a latino man that's what would have been reported. exactly right exactly yeah. right right so Not that it was a white on white crime exactly yes. so that's so. what i'm saying it's like you know when you're trying to play all these like identity is, games and you really get yourself in a pickle you do and i think that really i that this is probably the best example i think to date that we've had of that happening kind of in real time and them scrambling to live by their own ideology and they they couldn't do so successfully and one of the reasons why i wanted to record this episode and talk about this is because i do want for people to be able to recognize when these things are happening and how are they being treated? So well, the reason I kind of we're going through this case and calling out some of these, again, like biases is because I want for people to be able to listen and consume and hear these news stories and take the pause, like we talked about earlier, and, and kind of think about how these stories are being told by the media. Because as we're going to kind of walk through here, you know, the media was starting to shape this narrative as the information came out and then we kind of get to the political leaders and how they kind of took what the media said of course and shaped it even further or or didn't 
honestly, I mean, they didn't set the record straight. They didn't, um, you know, from a political standpoint. Well, I mean, it's clear to me having looked at, cause I recently did an article comparing past behavior with current behavior, specifically on Biden, because, you know, I hate this game of like, Oh, I like on, what do you call it on social media or on Twitter, you know, you have this whole situation going on in Tennessee and they expel these uh, legislators. Right. And then they'll go and say, Oh, but this person, so-and-so Sexton, I think was his name, which he's the head of the legislator. He's done da, 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 da. Why hasn't he been expelled? Like I, you know, or he did this, like I don't like to play that game. Not to the point, especially now that situation, like it was all current, but it's like, you know, or for example, like, I don't want to waste a ton of time saying like, well, Obama did it this way and Clinton right. did it this way. You know what I mean? Like when we're talking about the world of politics and news, it goes at, a, and honestly, right now, societal structures, it really goes at a rapid, rapid pace. And so I really try and kind of like focus, um, on the issue at hand and using the past more as a guide about what to expect. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right. And so when I was looking at, that's why I'm saying I wanted to focus in on Biden and not start looking at people that had nothing to do with this. You know right. what I mean? Cause like sometimes there'll be people like, Oh, well, Trump did this or Obama did like, right. that's not my focus right now. Yeah. Like that's yeah. just, like another rabbit trail. And believe me, there are plenty that I go down. I don't need yeah. another one. It is very clear to me that Biden is, which is not, is not surprising. It's to be expected is hyper political in his responses. Sure. And on top Things of that, say whatever. Yeah. If he can't, if he wasn't there, he will insert himself with a lie. Yeah. Okay. Which it's I actually have, wild, like some of his ridiculous. I mean, is, first of all, the dude has done one eighties on multiple yeah. issues and will clearly say anything and everything. And again, I'm not saying like this doesn't exist all over politics, but he's the president right now. So he's the one who we get to, you know, who we get to talk okay. about. Yeah. 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 But one of the things that really struck me is uh, like, okay. So the timeline with um, Biden was as soon as he heard about the shooting or what, you know, he hears about the shooting, he was um, speaking at a women's business summit in the white house. Right. Yes. Yes. That's correct. Um, and he comes out to the summit and I remember what I watched this clip. I watched a clip from Fox news, which if I wish I could have found it, I haven't found it again, but it's like, I think personally the best one. But he comes out and everybody has now switched the cameras. All the news organizations have switched the cameras over to Biden because they are told, because they're told ahead of time that right. he's going to give a comment and talk about the shooting that had just happened. Even though this was a not a press, just to be clear, like this wasn't a press conference about the shooting. It was a different event that he was speaking at. But the expectation was, was that he would give some comments related to the shooting prior to the scheduled which, comments yeah, of this event. Which yeah. makes sense because it would be yes. weird for him to be on camera publicly speaking yeah. about something and then this tragedy happens and like doesn't say anything until right. like hours right. later or something like right. that. So right. I'm not faulting that he like, 
you know, it, it makes sense that that's what was expected yeah. to happen. Yeah. So he comes out, all of the cameras have now switched over to see what he's going to say. And he comes out the gate making jokes about being Dr. Joe Biden's husband, chocolate chip ice cream. He has a refrigerator full of chocolate chip ice cream. And that the only reason that he came down was that because he had heard there was chocolate chip ice cream, like, you know, at the event or something like that. So he's like making jokes, right? So I just want to point out, like, imagine if that had been the reaction after some of these other high profile shooting cases. Like if this would have been the reaction from, from our president, regardless of who it is, after one of these cases, it's extremely tone deaf. I mean, well, and the thing is, is that on Fox News specifically, like they kept playing it for a while, waiting, yeah, waiting, waiting for him, for him to, to say, say something. something. And then they were like, okay, this is kind of like you could hear it in I've the, seen in that clip. the yeah. anchor's voice. Yeah, this is so awkward. Okay. Let's cut away and we'll come back when he actually starts to make the comments. Because I watched the entire thing. So most clips will cut with him like finishing making the jokes about the ice cream, right? But even after that, he starts kind of like joking around with some kids that are in the audience. Right. He's like, I'm that, the oldest. Yeah. You're the oldest. Oh, my sister. She was the smartest. You must be the smartest like that. So it goes on for a while of joking around. And then finally he goes and he makes a comment on the shooting. Now, right. some people will be like, oh, he's just trying to like, like, I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, prime the environment because it's going to get like really heavy or whatever sure. i think that's there are kids in the room clearly and there's kids in the room so. like that's the argument that they're going to make and yeah. i mean i maybe it's just a style you know what i mean like uh you know because uh, of course the left or democrats well, are always it is a style to joke about ice cream and being dr jill biden well, and they're always like oh he's What's just like? trying to be a friendly old man or whatever which i'm just so sick of that like he's just a sweet old grandpa he i don't want like... a sweet old grandpa as well, the president <laughs> and it's also a lie because he's actually an angry mean old I know, man i know i know but my point is is that if Again, I hate to say like the hypocrisy, but if the roles were reversed, they would immediately have been like, right. If it had been a, a six trans people were shot by. Yeah. I guarantee you, Can you. I would imagine. Not, I mean, well, first of all, I firmly believe, and this is maybe my own bias being exposed, but I firmly believe that if this had been a shooting where it was like, I don't know, a black church and a white person that he yeah. would have come out from the get-go making comments about it and, yeah. and talking about how horrible it was. He wouldn't have done this ice cream joke primer. Right. Okay. So, but that's me speculating. What we do know is like how it was covered. And I will tell you that most of the mainstream media did not cover the fact that he was making that joke before he even spoke. They only spoke on his, they only reported on his comments. It was right. only conservative, independent media that actually covered his ice cream joke. Yeah. So that was his, his first initial response in regards to the shooting. Okay. And then he quickly, uh, I think he, the White House released a statement about uh, Trans Day of Visibility that happens. And that's the other thing. A lot of people don't want to talk about this. We're like two weeks away from Easter. 
this is during a season of I think Lent like it wasn't good it was because it wasn't good Friday yet so it was a week before that right but this is during Lent which is a it's a big Christian holiday time you know what I mean which which Biden supposedly is he's well he's a Catholic that believes in killing babies but whatever um Then on top of that, it is the same week of Trans Day of Visibility, which also happened to have a, there was a big campaign from this organization out of DC to have a Trans Day of Vengeance protest in front of the Supreme Court that Friday. Right. So like all of this other stuff, plus we had the Tennessee legislation happen. So I'm just trying to set the environment. That does not mean that that was her motive. But the environment is pretty prime to be like, that could have been her motive. Where there's smoke, there's fire is what it feels like. And what it feels like, but we don't know. But there's definitely no question that the news and our administration was like, oh, we can't even consider that to be a possibility because they quickly changed, like, like as soon as he talked about the shooting and then he did some social media posts the first social media post immediately didn't even talk about the uh the shooting itself it was just calling for an assault weapons ban um and then the other one is saying that we owe them action but didn't mention the nashville shooting specifically uh or no the second one said we owe them action and then it was an assault weapons ban specifically regarding the nashville shooting And then as soon as he did that, he made a statement. He sent out his tweets about the shooting. He did his obligatory call for an assault weapons ban, immediately switched the script and started pushing trans day of visibility, which was happening later that week. Right. Which is like a brand new freaking holiday. And it is only, I don't even want to call it a holiday. It's like a political, like, it's like Hispanic heritage month. For me personally, I find it incredibly annoying. I was like, I don't need an entire month to like acknowledge me for being Hispanic or whatever. So, um, but immediately then put out a statement that was like accusing MAGA extremists, and that's a quote, MAGA extremists, of quote, advancing hundreds of hateful and extreme state laws that target transgender kids and their families. Which we could spend a whole episode just talking about the validity of that statement and lack thereof in terms of what those laws and the legislation are really trying to do and accomplish, right? Like, I don't think... Well, and it's not just that, but like, think about that, the language that is coming from the White House. Right. First of all, you have a statement saying horrible, dangerous legislation from these horrible right. MAGA extremists, because MAGA right. extremists is just code to say like every Republican Ever, is a horrible yeah. racist, bigoted person. Right. Right. Then you have the white house press secretary that comes out and she says LGBTQI plus, cause she used all the letters. Uh, kids are resilient. They are fierce. They fight back. They're not going anywhere. And we have their back. This administration has their back. And this was right. within the context of talking about the horrible legislation that again is what is it that he said um he said that attacks the transgender kids that's the other thing because it's all about attacking transgender kids so it's like they weren't correct me if i'm wrong 
but the way that that all of this was handled from him and from the press secretary was the way the information flowed and the way their statements flowed because they moved so quickly from shoot the shooting, which was basically all they said about it was we need to ban assault weapons. That was, that's pretty much all that he really had to say in terms of even condolences or we stand with you or anything. It was just like, we need to ban assault weapons. And then they moved right into this narrative and this language around how trans kids are victims by right-wing MAGA extremists, you know, Christian nationalists, whatever. So you can see where without saying it, they're painting a picture of, well, this was warranted. Of course this happened because look at how, Look at how I mean, restrictive it is, and how they're well, trying to- Well, and here's to, the deal. Yeah, because the thing is, is that, you know, I, look, I am one of the people that I do not, I don't like faulting people for, like, for example, when um, there was a shooting uh, at the congressional baseball game where uh, Congressman Steve Scalise was shot and was in the hospital- um, the shooter was a Bernie supporter, right? Mm -hmm. And this was during really heightened time of election. I'm not going to say that Bernie's at fault because this person interpreted what Bernie had to say sure. in his crazy mind to go and shoot up this baseball field. And I'm going to say the same thing here, okay? Like, I don't like to say that there is like a direct fault as in like he, nobody is, the administration is not saying you need to go out and shoot up these people. Like they're not saying that, but they're definitely saying that you are dangerous. Do you understand right. what I'm saying? That is how the message is being received. I mean, just from my own experience in dealing with, you know, comments and people on social media, the message that these people are getting is one of, this legislation, these laws, these Christians, these right-wing extremists are trying to kill me. This is a matter of life and death. They want to literally exterminate me in concentration camps. Like, I'm not saying that that's what Biden is saying, but that is what they are hearing anyways, just based on, again, just my own personal experience with comments from these groups well and you see it on social I media mean, all the time like all the time. conversations with like what look like normal average people like i'm not even talking about like i don't know whatever stereotype you want to put for a transgender out there person of like i don't know a man in a with pink hair you know what i mean like i'm talking about like there are average people out there especially if they're younger that will literally say those words are violence those words will lead right. to genocide. You are actively calling like these laws are actively killing people because the argument is, is that the laws will not permit them to seek the treatment that will prevent them from committing suicide. Right. That's like a whole other discussion to have. But then also at the same time that all of this is going on, you know, you have the administration, you have Biden release, I think on the trans day of visibility, he released this post 
that talks about how transgender people deserve dignity, respect, and love, something along those lines. And then in the caption, it says, to the transgender community, we want you to know that you are seen, made in the image of God, and deserving of dignity, respect, and support, and know this, you are so brave. And then affirming a child and the most powerful thing that you can do. And then it says, our administration will never quit fighting to stop discrimination, stand up against unjust state laws and guarantee everyone the fundamental right and freedom to be who they are. So, I mean, at best, at best, it's just that the timing of all of this was extremely horrible, right? Like this event happened, but we still have to go forward with this trans day of visibility. And I already had this post like all ready to go, right? Like, it's not like he wrote, first of all, it's not like he wrote this. And second of all, it's not like it wasn't primed for- You don't you know, think he's sitting there with his phone? Prior, right, on Instagram? Right, right, you know? So at best, it's poor, it's, it's coincidental, really terrible timing. And they just move forward with whatever, with, with, with what they already had in place. Yes. However, I will say- that the fact that like if for example the shooting happens and he responded acknowledging that it was a christian community which is something that he never said ever has never said he might have said maybe i'll maybe and i don't even think he said this that it was a christian private school i i do not recall that and i did my own kind of like looking through social media and like his statements and twitter and all of that, trying to find that. And I don't remember seeing that. He never said that it was a Christian school and he yeah. never said that, tra- that the, the shooter was transgender. In fact, he never even said that the shooter was a female. I, I mean, to be fair, he really, really, in my opinion, from what I've seen, like never really addressed the shooting in any in any meaningful way other than to call for assault weapons bans. Like, like yeah, that's that was really it. been the platform. There were multiple, multiple posts about that, but that was really the bottom line reaction from Biden, from what I saw was, and again, it wasn't anything meaningful about the community that was impacted. Well, and that's my point is that yeah. it just, you know, you're like, oh, you know, people will be like, cause that argument is happening online. Oh, um, the, am I all crooked? I don't know, but my light is getting ready to change dramatically. So okay, well we're gonna have this. I'm gonna have the sun here, like in just a second. But there was like nothing about you know the community of itself. So when a lot of people are talking about oh, Trans Day of Visibility was already planned that day. Okay, fine, but that doesn't mean that's fair. I'm I'm not an unreasonable person, even though I don't agree with it, and I think it's ridiculous. Whatever, yes. like, bro, we see you everywhere. <laughs> I cannot miss you. I don't know. You're on my beer cans. Like, you're like on my makeup ads. You're. Like, you know, I literally like, see you everywhere. Okay. However, it would have been nice if you would have said something a little bit more focused about the community and not right. just like do this like sudden change because he, in fact, has a history of commenting on things. When he sees there, like, is a political, societal benefit to comment on it. Well, his political, the benefit to him was to call for the assault weapons ban. I mean, that yeah, was really, but that was it. Yeah, there was no, like, 
I mean, and I think that's what makes it so uncomfortable when you really sit back and look at the response was because, like I said earlier, the way that it was all framed and kind of the way it all flowed from the timing is it created this atmosphere of, of this, it, it was warranted. It was deserved. Like, and I think that's where we can get into, I mean, if you would like, we can go ahead and move into the societal kind of the societal reaction. So you kind of had the media kind of floundering with how to handle this story, frankly, like, Oh, you know, trying to, I think we, we didn't touch on this, but there were some media, even, um, I think some news outlets who said that, uh, who said that this happened at the home of the daily wire. Oh yeah. 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 He's like, he was a, he is a freelance reporter with, I believe NBC and he, like, man, I was like, you seriously, his name is so Benjamin Ryan. And he deleted the tweet. Sure. The but forever. <laughs> the internet's forever. And of course, homegirl took a screenshot. Yeah. And it was NBC has ID the Nashville shooter as Audrey Hale, 28, who identifies as transgender and has no previous criminal record. Nashville is the home to the Daily Wire, a hub of anti-trans activity by Matt Walsh, Ben Shapiro, and Again, Michael Knowles. Painting a picture of this is deserved. Like this community, what else did you expect to happen? Because you have all of this anti-trans rhetoric happening in this area and this community. I mean, again, and that's the dots that they're connecting. And I feel like, so I feel like the media is kind of, you know, again, like floundering on how to handle the gender identity. And then you're starting to have people connect these dots again from the media. And then you have the White House kind of, again, really, again, at best, just poor timing, again, creating this environment of like, oh yeah, um, this, this shooting happened, but really these people over here are victims. And so what that the person who perpetrated this event happened to be a part of that group they're the real victim so again even if none of it was intentional you're again creating and expanding this narrative that there's this group of people who want to cause harm to transgender people so again trying to kill them which is not not the case but with through legislation and that this is a like a war you know kind of a a warranted response and again those that's just kind of the atmosphere i feel like that was kind of i don't know circulating well for sure and And even like the new york times uh and i i need i need to find that article i didn't pull it up but i remember there was an article that came that was published on the new york times and i think it was more of an opinion analysis it wasn't like news reporting but it was about how the right or conservatives have like jumped on the fact that she was transgender as uh, as in like how dare us even question that that could have anything to do with the motive um right. and attack her and like it's just it's just if it would have been this... a white man that would have been the motive he well and here's the other thing <laughs> that's the other thing so shortly after that happened which i think this is fascinating i actually made a note on this it's not on our shared notes Actually, I think it is. Um, But so immediately after that, like, first of all, like, there's a lot of like the general vibe on on the common folks on us plebes or whatever, 
um, or especially from the left, is that, you know, a bad Christian family environment community person would not allow Audrey to be her true authentic self. And, you know, is it surprising that she ended up doing what she did? You know what I mean? And, And almost like, think about how horrible she and what a bad place she has to be in that she felt compelled to do such a thing. Like that was kind of like the general story, right? And then if anybody even remotely pointed out that she was um, a transgender, um, they would be like, oh, but it's typically cis white males who shoot, you know, commit these mass shootings. Uh, Yeah, that's true. However, I think it should be, I think- Is that true? It is it's okay. So typically, if you do, if you go off the definition that we just well, gave, no. okay, okay, correct, uh, correct. If you want I mean, so like in the realm of the picture of what most stereotypical mass shootings that have occurred have been by a cis white male, and when I'm talking about, I'm talking about like. AR rifle kills 20 people, goes into a bank, that situation. Now, if we were to go under the definition of a mass shooting, that's not the case. You know what I mean? I just thought that, I just think that's important to, a little bit important to point Well, I mean, because again, we're told that these shootings matter and that these don't. These matter because of who... You know what, who who committed the crime and who the victim was. Well, here's the thing. This is what I'm getting I'm getting at. Okay. Because everybody's like, cis white male, cis white male, right? Okay, fine. Now, I think we can all acknowledge until pretty recently, and still even today, the trans community is small. They're really freaking loud, but they're small, right? Now, once you get their supporters in and everything like that, they even get louder. But actual like especially until like i said recently trans individuals were a small group of people right right however in the last like uh i don't know starting in i think here we go so like we have had a trans shooter a in a mass shooting in 2018 2022 2019 and 2023. So 18, 19, 22, and 23. And obviously it didn't happen in 2020 because everybody was locked up because of COVID. Okay. Right. That's that's a conclusion I'm going to make. So in those four years, they have each had someone who is identified as trans, all of them except for Audrey. And this is including Audrey. Yeah. Um, So she's the only one that was like female to male. Two mm-hmm. of them were male to female. And then one of them is non-binary. There is a little bit of debate about that one because the uh, he didn't really come out as non-binary until the legal filings. Like there was like a note in the documents of the legal papers that mm-hmm. he's non-binary, goes by mix, the prefix mix, MX. Um there is a debate happening on whether he's truly non-binary or whether he's saying he's non-binary because he shot up an LGBTQ club. Um, 
because initially the narrative was like hateful white man shoots up gay club right and now all of a sudden he's non-binary and so what do you do with that yeah what do you do with that now i think it's really funny because typically you can't question someone you're not allowed to question someone if they're trans or non-binary you are supposed to immediately affirm it but in this case we don't affirm it convenient so we're it's inconvenient but my point is is that it's a very small community are a very small group of people, let's put it that way, in in proportion per capita to the United States, right? And in the last four years, we have had one each year, not including 2020, for obvious reasons. But that seems really disproportionate. disproportionate. Mm -hmm. Not to mention that in the same week that Audrey Hale was attacked and shot up this school, two were thwarted. Right. So there were two individuals that were caught with the intention, trans individuals with the intention of shooting up schools. Right. Shortly after this happened. So obviously not every shooter from here on out is going to be trans. That is a stupid assumption. But these in these people, like every person that is here on the planet, is susceptible to being like especially if you're having mental health issues which i would argue is a high likelihood in this situation to be radicalized because of certain language to be like and to take action into their own hands especially when you're telling them that we are literally killing them with this legislation right. and right. this and and our words are literally violence right and i think it is very naive and ignorant of us to be like oh but they're just such a small community most of the time it's a white cis man which is typically the narrative let don't focus on that don't fo- if anything when you start to see an uptick like that i think we Big. should pay attention I to mean, it probably statistically i mean i don't we don't have again i don't i'm not i'm not a, data, a but statistician it seems like- Seems statistically significant in terms of like 2023 alone. If you said you had a mass shooter and we stopped two others that, you know, were in within that I community. I think it's something worth paying I attention mean, to. Right. And again, I'm, it's, again, I feel like it's because you have a very dangerous narrative going on that if somebody doesn't agree with or affirm you, that means they are wishing you dead. Okay. Even using the words like dead naming, you're again, you're insinuating that because that person is refusing to use your pronouns or they're using your birth name or whatever, that they are basically just wishing death upon you. You're better off. Again, like they, they just, the language around it is so is so inflammatory and it is coming from media trickled down through politics so yes there is they are creating this environment where again this this makes i don't want to say it makes sense but just like you said it's not radicalized into thinking like this is this is okay because they're, I'm just fighting. It's a self-defense. Like that's what it feels like. The excuse. Yeah. It's like the idea of a preemptive attack. Oh, you're right. coming for me. So, so let me preemptively to, deal with the situation because ultimately ex- you're going to genocide me. 
which is exactly, again, I have personally received these comments. I saw those. They're on my Instagram. They're in my stories. They're in my highlights. I've saved them since they are permanently recorded there. If someone wants to go see them, but this is a real live mindset out in the world that people are trying to genocide transgender people simply because they don't want their kids to go to drag shows or they don't think that kids are old enough to be making decisions about surgeries and prescriptions and hormones and stopping. I mean, this is not saying (laughs) that, you know, we're going to ship all people, but it is, you're very right. It's a preemptive. You're, you're going to do that to me, even though you've never said it. And there's no laws on the book saying that it's so inflammatory and blown out of proportion that they are now saying, well, I've got to do in return to you what I think you're coming to do to me, which is thought policing, which I find very interesting. You know what I mean? Like that's a whole other thing to consider is that they're, they are. And what's interesting to me is that not only are they thought policing, but to me, it's like projection. You know what I mean? Cause it's what, I'm actively seeing now, look, I'm not going to look, I'm not naive. I'm not an idiot. It's not like there aren't some weirdos and like hateful people on the right in the corners of the internet that are saying these sort of things. I want to say something about that. So continue on. But it's not affirmed in the way that it is on the other side by our government, by our media, by our news organizations, and by our entertainment. And I mean affirmed as in like, not that they're saying they're uh, go out and hurt them, but affirmed in saying that our beliefs are a threat to them, their livelihood will ultimately, and the obvious to them, the obvious um, conclusion is going to be genocide as if we are Nazis. Cause that's the other thing yeah. you get immediately. Like, this is literally like the Nazis. I'm like, what are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. <laughs> it, there was something that I heard Michael Knowles say, and I, Michael Knowles works for the, the daily, daily wire, wire mm-hmm. um, conservative speaker, author, um, he made a statement. I saw him speaking at a school. I believe it was a school. And he did use the phrase eradicate. It was at the the RNC, which made it even a bigger deal. Okay. And he did use the phrase eradicate transgenderism. Wait. Okay. No, it was Turning Point USA. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. (laughs) He he used the phrase, you know, wanting to eradicate transgenderism. And I I just want to say something that I had a thought when I heard that, because you could take that one of two ways. And I just want to like, what if he had said, I want to eradicate racism? That would not mean he wants to go out and murder and, or put in concentration camps, everyone who is of a certain race, right? That would say, I, that means I want to eradicate the idea of racism, which I think most people would be on board with, right? I agree with you. Bad idea. Yeah, It's like sexism, racism. Right. But when someone says, I want to eradicate transgenderism, it is interpreted as I want to eradicate these very people's hearts from beating, which is not 
what he's saying. It's saying, I want to eradicate this ideology, which I think is harmful. It's and and like, that's the difference. But here's the deal, which I don't even know if you necessarily know this and you probably do is that they don't perceive it like actually to say it's an ideology. And now I'm not going to say that some of them, no, this is everyone, but to say that it's an ideology to them is like dismissive because the idea is that an ideology means it's an idea, which means it's something that's made up, which is mean, you know what I mean? And it's something that we could get rid of. They themselves say it's made up. And then they try to well, act like it's, it's not, it's not. So, so again, that's why in their mind, some people or uh, probably, especially the most radicalized versions that literally believe that you can switch genders are hearing that as an attack on them personally as a person, because they don't think it's an idea. They don't right. think it's a movement in regards to right. like, you know, an ideology, they just think there, it just is fact. It's biology. It's just true. Right. It's like all of a sudden, like for this, for a group of people that don't believe in it, objective truth, all of a sudden there's objective truth. All of a sudden, this is an objective truth. Like make it make no. sense. Well, so. and it's like the whole, like I've actually seen these arguments of happening on Twitter, not Twitter on the other one, TikTok, right? Where women are like, Hey, you know what? I supported you. And I wanted you to be your true authentic self, but now you're telling me that I have to identify as cisgender or as a cis woman. Otherwise I'm transphobic or I'm attacking you or whatever. Right. Right. Because by not acknowledging that I'm cis, which is literally a recent made up word. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not willing to, uh, acknowledge like and i've had i've seen people be like you can't just like not um identify or not admit what you are like you're cisgender like that's just a fact you can't just like opt out of being cisgender and i'm like yeah i can (laughs) i mean if you can opt in to changing your gender like all of a sudden we can't opt out of something that they're like oh everything is just so fluid and it's all subjective and you know, right. if you're not watching me, I'm dancing on the camera. Like, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. Okay. So and inconsistent. Yes. Inconsistent. So I, I do think that I think we've done a good job of kind of highlighting just kind of the wild environment that it really has all been happening just even in the last couple of weeks, you know, around the shooting around transgender day of visibility. Um, and you know, one of the things that I wanted to make sure that I guess that, that we said today was because of everything we just kind of painted in terms of like going on this noise that's happening in the world. Um, there are people who believe and think that the shooter was the victim and that this was a deserved attack upon repress, you know, oppressive people, oppressive people being, basically white Christian nationalists is, is probably what they would label or MAGA extremists, whatever you want to, you know, call it. But I just want to call that out it's, it's for people to recognize that there is this, um, even if people aren't exactly saying the exact words, they're painting a picture of this attack 
was deserved and you should expect it. And some of the words that we've even heard from, I call like real life people, so like not mainstream media and not political figures is phrases like, well, hate has consequences. I mean, when you say something around the Nashville shooting that hate has consequences, you are saying that, well, these people were hateful, so they got what was coming. I mean, and like you had mentioned earlier, there was the the trans resistance network response on Twitter, which again, like basically um, gave victimhood status to the shooter and said, well, this must have been, even though we have no... We haven't seen the manifesto. We don't really have any other information, but this just being trans is so hard that this must have been the only way this person could feel seen. So not addressing like any mental health issues, not addressing, you know, um, anything else going on in this person's life, just because they were trans, this must have been how, you know, unfortunately- Well, they do acknowledge in the statement that many trans- gender people deal with anxiety, depression, thoughts of suicide, P- PTSD. But then it goes on. They it says, blame it on. They blame it goes the on. lack of acceptance from family members in right. certain religious institutions, denial of our existence and call for detransition and forced conversion. Right. So, so they're it's still like, blaming. It's, it's kind of like victim blaming. <laughs> well, and it's just interesting because a lot of times like you know, you'll be, they'll get upset if you point out that this could potentially be a mental health issue. Right. Right. But then at the same time, it's like, but the transgenderism isn't a mental health issue. It just happens to be that they have all these other health, mental health issues that go along with it, that some of them potentially are somebody else's fault. I mean, they're somebody else's fault or they're being caused because they're not being allowed to live as their true authentic selves, which is the link, the lingo that is used. Right. As opposed to being like, you know, we can't possibly question that there has to be, there is very likely, especially nowadays, it's a chicken and egg situation that all of this anxiety, depression, da, 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 all of this stuff, especially when we're dealing with young women comes first and then looking, do what, well, no, but I'm just saying like, (laughs) she was autistic, which is another thing because autism tends to get fixated on ideas. Yeah. But the point is, is that, you know, you have all of this and then the solution they're being told is to, well, what you actually, you're feeling uncomfortable and depressed in your own body because you're actually a man, which is not the case most of the time, especially when we're dealing with adolescent young females. And then they go and they start taking cross-sex hormones and testosterone will naturally make you feel like awesome and positive and euphoric and superhuman but eventually that subsides and they're back where they started right but that you're not allowed to talk about that you know what i mean the focus here is about the bad christian society or whatever that's not accepting of them that drove them them back exactly and drove them to to do this so it's you know and i was gonna say that you know Actually, I lost my train of thought there. Because you were talking about, because again, it's not coming directly, like it's how it's being distilled down to the general population. And and I want, this is what I was going to say, I want to encourage people like, we're telling you this in order to be aware, but not to be right. unaware in a way that you are reactive 
or in fearful. a negative or fearful yeah. in a negative way. Yeah. I do not want you to like start looking at every trans individual with a side eye as a threat because there are individuals out there that even though I may not personally agree with their life choices, they do acknowledge the truth of biology. They yeah. do acknowledge that they have a mental health condition and this is how they've treated, decided to treat it. They acknowledge that, you know, these individuals probably should not be in women's spaces and women's sports. Like, so we can't just like side eye every single person. However, it is important to know about what is going on because I'm always really focused on being caught on the back foot. And in the sense of like, when we're talking about policy, when we're talking about gutting Title IX, right. which is, you know, an issue of women's sports. When, and, and, and when they say like, why do you care? This is why I care. Right. I don't, it's not to demonize other people. It's not to ostracize them. It's to live in freaking reality. Right. And to also support a societal structure that naturally is what we need in order to continue our lives on this planet as human beings and as a strong country to defend ourselves against um, enemies of the state. And I'm talking about other, you know, where I'm looking yeah. at Russia and China and that sort of thing. Okay. Right. Because the, we the have fact, to have shared language and shared beliefs well, and not shared just morality. That. And But if everyone is like suddenly transing themselves or whatever the language is that you we want to use um that ultimately leads to infertility which leads to a whole other slew of issues uh dropping birth rate we already have infertility issues then on top of that you're like forcing yourself into infertility issues do you understand what i'm saying like yeah, I mean, I think that there's a whole again, like that's a and that's whole like another rabbit hole you could go down as far as and and I would be happy to at some point like go down the whole rabbit hole of really what this is all about, just in terms of the transgender trends and what's going on and the messaging that is happening there. You know, for today's episode, I just like you said, I want for people to be able to just recognize the language and really ask themselves what's true here like what is true in this circumstance so when they hear phrases like oh MAGA Republicans want to you know exterminate all transgender people to really take a step back it's like well what is the truth about that statement what is the truth about how this issue was handled and addressed again like at best this was all just really bad you know coincidental timing at worst, this was, you know, an intentional thing and these and these political leaders and media are, are, you know, intentionally using this to drive a bigger wedge, um, make even larger victims, I guess, out of the transgender. Well, and community. I think too, there was recently a poll done, and that was, and I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, and actually Shapiro was discussing it. But it was specifically about how the different parties support this issue in regards to drag queens, transgender, and that sort of thing. And this is clearly, clearly an issue for the base of the Democrat Party. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Like, yeah. And, and that is another, it's, it's again, political. So when they start talking about, and it's about maintaining political control, you know what I mean? So the belief is, and I'm, I'm sure they're right that it's not only their base, but especially they're always looking towards the next voting group and the next voting group is Gen Z. And this is the issue that's important to them. And then the other issue that like, you know, apparently seems to cross, you know, party lines, especially when it comes to women, unfortunately, is the issue of abortion. So all of this is that is strategic. I really don't, I'm not even 100% sure how much Biden only cares as much as he cares about what his base, just like any other politician, because Trump does the same thing about what his base wants, about what will keep him and maintain him and his party in power. So this whole thing of like civil rights and what they care about and da da da, I really think that I'm not saying that he doesn't care, um, but I think it's secondary. You know what I mean? I don't really think, and I think if anything, he's just letting himself be led by who he's the radicals that he's surrounded himself with. Right, right. So one of the things just to kind of wrap up with was again, I think we can paint a picture of how some of the reaction and how some of the response has been one inflamed and two different in terms of being willing to call a certain group of people victims or not um, has been a little different in this particular school shooting than it has in other cases. And there, again, I think we called out a lot of the, there's just a lot going on in this particular case, you know, like you said a while back in terms of like why it would have been hard to, ignore it really hit on a lot of um, kind of hot topics in our current culture and society for sure. One of the things I just wanted to talk about kind of in closing was that I always like to ask, I mean, it's just, is how is, how did we get here? And by here, I mean that a certain group of only a certain group of people are allowed to be victims. victims. And in this particular case, um, really white Christians were not allowed to be victims. They were never mentioned again by the president as victims. A lot of the response that we've seen, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't called out as a hate crime publicly. It I wasn't think, even you know, speculated. As a hate you know, crime. I think there's, you know, I think there's, we're speculating based on, you know, handing it over to the FBI, but, um, you know, that wasn't the immediate reaction. And so you think you do have to kind of ask yourself, well, why in this particular case, did that not happen? And for me, and I'm sure my listeners are tired of hearing about things like this, but for me, it really, it does go back to, um, you know, what you could call critical theory. Some people call it critical consciousness and just this intersectionality framework that really started in university settings and they'll tell you it was meant to kind of stay as an analysis tool in university settings. But now we have people trying to apply this framework out in, you know, real life. And this is what we get. And it, what we get is, and really it's an inequality again, uh, you know, around who's allowed to be marginalized and who's allowed to be a victim. And we, you know, a mass shooting occurs against a group of Christians and we can't even say that 
out loud and why. And it's because, and I'll include this if people want to reference it, we can include the picture in the Substack post, but there's a picture of intersectionality if you're not familiar, if somebody isn't familiar with it. And intersectionality is really just this idea of power, privilege, and oppression and the hierarchy that is built around that. And really the more things that you can check off, are you overweight? That's a check. Are you, you know, stabled, gay check? Are you, you know, do you have, or do you identify as, you know, some other gender? Do you have, are you you poor preferences? Are you poor? Or do you have a different skin color? Like it is the more checks you have, the more oppressed you are and the more worthwhile basically you are in this model because the model wants to, which is, this sounds good in theory, right? Like the model wants to elevate everyone it deems as oppressed. However, it does that through squashing anyone and and oppressing anyone that it views as not oppressed, which your, your basic, you know, and the, the picture I think shows it really well, but basically the, the people who are the oppressors would be wealthy, white, ma- male, cis, and masculine. I would even put like feminine at the top of this mm-hmm. a little bit at this point um, with where we are. But again, I think that's where you can see this I this, this um, theory. Again, people are trying to use it and apply it in real life. And therefore we can't even admit when a crime happens against a group of people and call it a hate crime because they're not a, they're they're just they're not allowed to be hated because they're the oppressor so there's no well, way they either deserve it or yeah go ahead well there and there's like it's fascinating to me how there's certain that just for the mere nature of you being a minority doesn't necessarily mean that you are in the clear if another minority who is deemed more oppressed more, yeah. is the one who is a, like attacking you or so yeah. like in regards to the whole there was like a time everything was like stop asian hate especially around coronavirus and stuff like that well the majority of the perpetrators that were attacking the asian community were yeah. black yeah but that wasn't reported. It was just right. like they only focused in on the Asian hate, but they would not right. touch with a 10 foot pole who it was that was the perpetrator of this. Right. And the problem with this is that, like, like you said, like in I, the idea, yeah, kind of sounds nice because, like, if you're a smaller group, the conclusion would be that then therefore you would have a smaller voice and be drowned out by the larger group and therefore oppressing your voice and your ability to like make change, right? Like that's the general concept. But then the fact is, is that we are a society and creatures that respond to the louder voices and how we are perceived in the public. You know what I mean? Like, I think that is way more effective how we are seen societally versus like when you're just looking at numbers. Do you know what I mean? Right. So for example, it, if you like, at what point, how, like, until what point are you considered marginalized or at what point does, does you being marginalized or, or a minority 
no longer something that we need to take in consideration? Like at what point can, first of all, at what point can we all just be like, um, equal and I hate to say equal because nobody's equal we're never equal but at least you know an effort where we're treated the same you know what I mean and to where because the reaction of if you are oppressor you need to be quiet and you need to take a seat eventually over the time people aren't like that's people don't receive that well do you understand what I'm saying and and to to be continued to be silenced and to be pushed down and i don't think anybody should be i'm not arguing that like like this argument of like well you need to shut down or you need to shut up because for all of these years um this marginalized group hasn't had a voice well i mean i want you to have a voice but that doesn't mean that i need to shut mine up like right. i don't think that's fair and i also especially don't think that that gives you a carte blanche to then be blatantly racist to another group right like this whole idea of like you can't be racist against white people or or someone who is above you in the hierarchy right. in regards to oppression because of systems of power well if it's systems of power if we're going to go with that definition I would argue that the systems of power are much more in favor of marginalized groups as a whole than they are in favor of the cis white man. Sure. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm not even saying like people will be like, well, you just upset because the white, you know, I know I don't care. Like that's, I'm not upset that anybody is no longer in a position of power. I'm just saying that you don't cure racism with more racism. Right. And that's, that's the whole issue with this framework and why, again, it was, I mean, I'd like to say it was originally intended for, again, analysis, which I could find potentially some use for in a classroom setting to say, well, how does race or weight or sex or gender gender, identity, you know, have a, you know, play into what happens to, you know, how these people move through life and society. However, the problem with applying the framework out in the real world is that it only works by more oppression, right? It just works by flipping the coin over, basically. It doesn't really solve for it in, in terms of, again, getting rid of racism. It just allows for racism just in the other direct just using race as an example but just allow allows for racism in the other way i could almost say you're getting really close to even gender i don't call like genderism i don't know like home like cis phobia like you know you're getting to the point of what words are we going to make up on this podcast you're almost getting to the point of again like even with calling someone transphobic um you are almost getting to a point where i feel like you could say like people are cisphobic. I don't know. I, I just, even with your story about like women not wanting to be labeled cis, cis. Yeah. and you know, I don't know. It just, it, it again, I only call out the, and I don't want anyone to have to be an expert on like critical race theory or uh, gender ideology, but I just want to, again, call out the idea of where this is kind of rooted and coming from and again like just give us a real life example of how it's kind of playing out which i think we're seeing in this particular case 
I don't know. Well, and I, you know, I, I give it, I like, I, we've talked before that I have like a hierarchy <laughs> of like, you know, people that are instituting this sort of thing with a malevolent kind of like purpose. You know what I mean? Like they literally want to completely rip down the entire societal structure to like nothing and like, I don't know, put in some form of Marxism or fill in the blank, whatever they want. Like right, there's a big exists, but isn't probably every, but it's not the, the majority. majority. Yeah. Like that's like a top level person. And yeah. then there's like normal people who right. just like, don't want to be racist and right. they want to help people who haven't had opportunities. And that's completely understandable. But especially when I'm talking they're to being women, played. they're being played. Yeah. And, it's, and that's what I'm saying, especially talking to women, we like in general, to use generalized, you know, analysis here, we tend to be more empathetic. We don't want to offend more agreeable. Right. You know what I mean? And we're like, oh my gosh, that must feel horrible. I don't want to make them feel worse. Right. And that is a great, wonderful and beautiful aspect of being female. Okay. Right. Predominantly female um, or, or of predominantly females. Are you However, do what? <laughs> Are you stereotyping? I am. I'm stereotyping. It's just a social construct. That is. <laughs> but the thing is, is that we can't, that's where like, we have gotten here and that's a whole other discussion. Like we can, like we had a side discussion one time of like, are, are, are we the problem? Am I the drama? You know what I mean? Not me specifically, but I'm talking about like women. women. Yeah. Well, I want to call something out because you asked a really good question, which was how long before a community is no longer considered marginalized. And I feel like, you know, one of the things that we talked about before we started recording was I feel like women just in general are getting to the point of, again, on the hierarchy, especially maybe white women of no longer being considered a marginalized group and they're being pushed well, down on the hierarchy by um transgender yeah absolutely women well, that's why my i just had a reel go freaking crazy viral like hit three yeah. million over three million the other day and actually some people didn't get the joke but i was just sharing a bunch of white transgender women which are white men right Dating. dominating in like sports and culture and everything like that and i said congratulations or something like congratulations to the white man you're back on top you know what i mean yeah. because that's how they have now it's like the white cis man was like the worst of the worst of the hierarchy especially heteronormative white right. cis men Right. Right. So the only way for them to redeem themselves or get back on top of the hierarchy is to become transgender. Yes. Which, by the way, side note, not all of them, but there is a large quantity of these transgender women who are still attracted to women. So they call themselves lesbians. Which. I know your head just exploded. Like your brain. I, I, whenever they start doing that business, <laughs> like, oh, I'm. Yeah, I start like, no, you just don't. <laughs> I'm a lesbian trans woman. Well, uh, yeah. you're a straight dude. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like, but again, you don't want to be because this framework says you have more value living that out as a 
trans woman. You have more value in our society living out your heterosexuality really as a trans woman. The interesting thing is, is that like, you're talking about all this hierarchy, right? And I just think it's funny. Like, if you really think about it, it is the trans white woman, which is a white man is even above a trans white male, which is a white woman. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the like, white man, the white biological man is still up at the top. They're like up at the now. The, obviously, above the trans white ma- woman, I'm getting myself tongue tied here, is going to be a black trans woman. You know what right. I mean? Yes. But my point of the whole reel that I did was that you know the white man, like if you adhere to these principles, the irony is that the white man is now back on top over white women, over uh, white women as a whole, because even a transgender white man is below a transgender white woman, which is a man. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, my brain is fried now. So so. I think with all of that confusion, I think we're good. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think we've, again, the main point today was... (laughs) To call out again, I think, and to wrap it up was was with the, again with the intersectionality and kind of this idea of being anti. Um, I don't even have the right words, but um, just the whole idea around being, not to, not being transphobic and the whole idea of being of of having intersectionality and equity and all of these terms again is driving how people are responding to tragic events. So an an event is, again, I just, I want for people to be able to recognize this when they see it happen. And we, there's a, there's a decent example happening right now as we're recording this. So we'll see how it kind of plays out in the next couple of days, I suppose, or over the next week of two different shootings that have occurred one against a, young black man one against a white woman and how we see those handled in the media as well we don't have to necessarily i don't want to get into the weeds on it today but again it's just another example of let's see how let's see how these and these it's very similar circumstances frankly of how these two people were tragically shot but let's see how the media handles each one and if they handle it differently and if they handle it differently why? I think that's the, that's the question that we have to ask. And is that truly what people think they are pursuing when they say they want equality and equity? If that, yeah, because I think the issue is, is that I feel personally that we're being gaslit into yeah. well, we focus on these stories because we have a problem with racism or we have a problem with this. And when you really look at the numbers, especially when we're talking about like gun violence. You know, if we want to focus in on like who's killing who and with what, um, the narrative that we are given by the media and by culture is not true. Um, And it's being and and I do not appreciate when we are being manipulated with fear in order for others to maintain control. Right. Like, I'm just not I'm not down with it. I'm not having that. And I don't care what side of the spectrum you're on or what side of the political aisle you're from do not 
weaponize fear to manipulate me in order to keep you in power. Right. Like I'm just not going to have it. (laughs) Yeah. And, and you said this earlier, but I think it's, it's good to call out, like we're trying to hyper analyze this situation. And again, process through some of the various angles of what happened, not to drive more fear or discrimination or anything else around any people group anywhere. It's really more, again, to drive awareness around just to ask questions like what's true in this case? What is really happening here? Um, Why was this different than, than this over here? And again, just for people to not be taken advantage of emotionally, because we're just I don't want to say, again, most of my audience is primarily women, but again, I just don't want people to be manipulated emotionally by some of the language that's being used without pausing for a second to say, what really happened? What's really true? How does this compare to the typical response that we see? Um, and, and, you know, just, just asking why is that? Again, it's not to make, you know, hopefully knowledge and taking the time to think about things um, makes you it, less- like. Well, yeah, it makes you cool your jets before just participating in In like comment dropping in the madness. Um, And that's really like, that is my fault. I want you to have the information, not so you can be more reactive, but so you can know and be aware that like, they're trying to make me react in a certain way. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to fall for it. I'm not going to be gaslit into that. So (laughs) exactly right. Well, thank you so much for being here. I think we said we wouldn't talk for two hours. Hey, I am very proud though, because I feel like we stayed 80 to 90% on topic. Close. It was close. It was close. So I can't, it's everything again, it's so complex and just so many different angles. No, and this is and with us having like notes and an outline this time. Like you should see, you guys should listen to our conversations like off camera. Those like, yeah. Sometimes this, I'm like, Jen, I have to go make dinner. Yeah. So <laughs> this, this was good. I do think we primarily kept it on track. Again, hopefully people feel empowered to analyze these stories a little more carefully as they come out and happen in real time. Obviously, this is a story that is still continuing, I think a little bit, even though our news cycle goes so quickly. Um, but thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. And I do and- want to mention, um, if anyone is interested in getting more details about how Biden has reacted in other occasions yes. and stuff like that, I did do an article that was like a really big comparison of like, he acted this way, but in all these other situations, he acted completely different. And you can yeah. find that at my Substack, it's Mercedes. Um, and uh, we'll, there'll be links in the show notes. Yep. Perfect. Awesome. Right. Let's Thank let's go you. make dinner or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's time. <laughs> okay, bye. All right, bye.